This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Sean, say hello. Hello, everybody. Sean James is with me. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. Thank you. No Frank. Of course, this is just another one of those shows where I have to point out how much I hate Frank. <laughs> it's not fair. He's somewhere warm again, isn't he's he? He's in Florida. Yeah, he's probably toasting us as we speak. He's probably got a martini <laughs> in his hand or some something yummy. Anyway, either way, we're here, and I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for coming Thank in you. on this blustery, gray kind of a day. It looks like it's going to snow when I look out the window there, but um, it, it's going to melt, right? None of this is forever <laughs> or soon. Maybe and it'll if- make us appreciate spring more. It always does, doesn't it? So your job, Sean James, is to please why not tell everybody the phone number so they can call in and ask some scintillating questions? Because you are not only an, you know, an award-winning landscape consultant, you're also a fusion gardener, a master gardener, a graduate of the Niagara Parks. I mean, you, you're a very clever guy. And I promoted you quite a bit last week. I hope you're listening. So I hope people <laughs> will you. call in with some hard questions and I'll have a little nap. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the local number is 416 360 Zero seven four zero, and if you're calling in beyond long distance, it's one eight six six seven four zero seven four zero. Excellent. Few things going on. <clears throat> Riverdale Hort Society. They are meeting this week, November the eleventh, and they meet, as you all probably remember, at the um, Frankland Community Center, which is Logan and Danforth, just south of the Danforth. So Riverdale Hort, they're a pretty active society. They're bringing in Wolfgang Bonham. You He's know. an old friend of mine, yes. I was going to say. We played together when we were kids. Did you really? He grew up just down the street from me. Well, there you what go. What are the odds? What are the odds of two wacky guys <laughs> growing up down the street from each other? Because you're both pretty wacky. Maybe it's contagious. Maybe it was the water you were drinking. I don't know. Anyway, he is speaking on the subject of uh, Gardens of British Columbia. So 7 p.m., 816 Logan Avenue, Riverdale Hort Society. ton of fun to go there. The Blenheim Hort Society. Let's go to the other end of the province, is hosting their annual potluck dinner and speaker. That's Monday, November 18th at 6 p.m. They meet in the lower meeting room at Trinity Anglican Church, which is at 59 Ellen Street in Blenheim. <clears throat> Excuse me. Free parking and admission. Beverages are supplied. Well, you can't go wrong, right? Definitely get out to this. Margaret Dudley, she's a renowned master gardener and speaker. And of course, it's a potluck. So bring your favorite dish and join them for a night of good food and entertainment. Now, I have some good questions that have been emailed to me that we will address if we don't get a lot of callers. So certainly the uh, lines are open if anybody would like to call. <laughs> so I'll do those numbers one more time. Sure. It's uh, 1-866-740-740. No, wait. 4740 one eight six six seven four zero. You know what? It was so funny. One time years ago, Frank was doing the wrong numbers, and we weren't getting any calls. And then we realized that probably somebody was getting our calls. Right? You got 1-866-740-4740. that. One eight six six seven four zero four seven 
Four zero. Yeah. Yes, I just read it differently because it's seven forty seven forty. Got at it. The end. <laughs> and then four one six three six zero zero seven four zero. Okay. Thank you. So, uh, Sean, we are going to take a short break right now. <laughs> Sorry to throw you off, but it really happened. Like we, he did the numbers, and the phone just didn't ring. Yeah. And then we yeah. thought, oh, there's some poor person getting our calls out there <laughs> because he's done. Yeah. So the idea is put this number into your speed dial memory on your phone. Absolutely. And then it's just a quick and dirty press a button, and you'll <laughs> speak to us about what's going on in your garden. Questions about now, the future, the past. Happy to hear what uh, what people want to share. I've been thinking a lot about what plants are beautiful for the winter mm. um, because winter lasts a long time mm-hmm. in Canada. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to plant our gardens more for that beauty. Things and, like sparkleberry yeah. and uh, uh, virgin's bower clematis. Oh, yeah, lovely. really? All That's a good idea. Seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good idea. And you were at my new place oh, a few weeks yes. ago and my, the junipers are all Lovely. coated in snow. So it's yeah. uh, it's oh, actually quite gorgeous, pretty and yeah. the birds are just having a heyday in there. It's, Our native junipers are fantastic for wildlife. Yeah, and of course you would know by the song of those birds what they were within 30 seconds. I, on the other hand, I think they're sparrows. They're just like cheapy little brown things. <laughs> well, we couldn't get that one sparrow last time. That's, there you go. I've got That's a lovely property. I have unusual things in my <laughs> garden. There's no question. All right. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. It's Charlie Dobbin and Sean James coming at you today. And I would just like to mention for anybody who's sitting near a computer or wants to write this down, triple W, Sean James, one word, Sean James, dash, consulting.ca. Excellent website, great information, and some beautiful photographs. And if people go to the Educate tab, under there, there's a newsletter tab, and folks can sign up for our newsletter there, too, which is awesome. It's awesome because you, it. yeah, you share a lot of what you're doing, but what others are doing as well. I'm a big fan of networking. The yeah. more we share information, the more we help each other, the better the world gets. Well, smile when you say that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. All right, let's go to our first caller. We've got Yvonne on the line. Good morning, Yvonne. Good morning. What's Oh, and you're a first-time caller, too. Ding, ding, uh, ding, ding, ding. There you go. Ding. There's your bell. <laughs> You've got your wings. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And I really do enjoy the show. Thank you. Hello, James. Hello, Sean. <laughs> Mr. James. It's okay. I get that a lot. Mr. Go- James. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. What's going on at your place, Yvonne? Well, I have this lovely plant that I purchased. It's called the Mandel Mandevilla. Yeah, mm-hmm. beautiful, <laughs> beautiful white flowers. But I noticed about a month ago those flowers are now turning uh, like brown and tainted. And is it outside still? No, I brought it in because okay. of the weather. Yep, good because it is a tropical, so it will not survive if you left leave it outside. You can actually yeah. store them like a dahlia. Right, you can make I've them dormant. That, yeah. Go. Yeah, so you've got it inside. Do you have it in a window, in a sunny window, southern, western type window? Yes, I do have a southern. Okay, and it's in that window? 
Well, it's close enough, yeah. It's getting a lot to light. Okay, good. So no curtains or anything are closed. Exactly. So the white flower is getting splotchy brown spots. That's part of the aging process with flowers. We just see it more obviously on a white flower because it's just the contrast between the brown and the white. Don't, yeah. I wouldn't be overly concerned. And there's concerned. a big adjustment thing, too. Yeah. Less light. No matter how bright your house is, there's still a lot less light inside than outside. The plants will drop some leaves. They'll drop some those flowers. Eventually, it'll grow some more leaves and eventually it'll even provide some more flowers in your current light conditions. I have a nifty trumpet vine relative called Tacoma and I brought it in. It's got beautiful big yellow flowers. Every leaf fell off. Yeah. And then it grew new leaves. Yeah. That's yeah. Fine. I was and, just patient. And and that's and what that is is the plant has grown leaves for the for the ability to use the sunlight outside comes in insufficient light, drops all its leaves and grows new ones <clears throat> that are attuned to the current conditions. Yeah. Yep. Which so, is why you have to adjust them when you put them out in the spring. You have yeah. to put them in the shade and move them to the sun. Slowly. Exactly. Or they'll defoliate. <laughs> um, and, and the other thing is be careful with your watering. Bringing in a plant like that, it's easy to, to overwater it because we think, oh, it must need water because it needed so much outside. Again, it's using less water inside. So even oh, yeah. a, a big moisture, one of those moisture meter probes can be a handy item if it's a deep pot. Just to make sure just because it's dry on the surface doesn't mean it's not moist below that. So be careful. Lower your watering. And and just clean up the, any debris that's dropping, flowers, leaves. Uh, prune back if it's a, it becoming a bit of a problem, if it's too big. Don't hesitate to do some pruning and then do some harder pruning in late winter, early spring. And that'll be perfect and good to go outside once it's warm. Okay, I do have a moisture meter. Okay, good. And you think I should put it right to the bottom of the pot? Because someone told me just put it halfway. Middle, middle of the pot. Yeah, middle yeah. is good, or I would even say it's just below the middle. Just because the, I mean, gravity takes the water down, right? Mm-hmm. Now, depending how long yeah. the plant's been in the pot, there may not be roots right to the bottom, right? If it's only been in the pot for six months, but if it's been in the pot for six years, then yeah, you want to go right to the bottom. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Excellent. An interesting thing that did happen... Uh, was I had a, a, um, a hibiscus for about five years, mm-hmm. and now it's turned, my flowers have turned uh, orange. They used to be yellow. I know. I, this happens. Curious. And, yeah. And I'm, orange I'm is happy, a funny one to turn. Hmm. We're Very finding good. out all sorts of new things. We thought we knew stuff. Yeah. And we're finding out all <laughs> sorts of new things. Like if it was grafted, it could be something called a graft chimera, where the graft actually comes up through the cambium yeah. and then sticks its head out. Um, hmm. There's all sorts of weird things happening. Um, well, it's like I gave a, my daughter a cutting off of my hibiscus, which is an apricot color, very unusual color hibiscus. It's yellow at her house. Wow, weird. Oh. Yeah, I know. Morphology. Yeah. The plant's growth in response to environment. Exactly. That's really cool. I know. And of course, her temp- it's much warmer at her place. Like, there's, you know, temperature effects, lots of things affect. But I was like, wow, I had no idea that was going to go yellow at your house. So we'll see. More flowers will come. Like, it'll, it'll probably change up as it settles in. So. Great. I have other questions, but I know it, you, you know, know I shouldn't rule. be taking up your, <laughs> your time and I have to call back in order sure. to ask another question, right? Sure. Yes, indeed. Thanks, Yvonne. Thank you so much, Charlie. I really enjoy your show. Thanks. Don't be a stranger. Coffee's always on. (laughs) Um, So do you know the mantra? You want me to say it or do you know it? Call early, call often, one question per caller. Right? Because that's the whole thing. Everybody calls at the end and then we run out of time. So don't hesitate to call. Sean gave you the numbers. You know the numbers. And let's go to caller number two, which is Michael giving us a, a buzz from Toronto. Good morning, Michael. Uh, good morning, uh, Charlie and Sean. Hello. Uh, good to hear you both. And uh, 
I had called a few months ago uh, when uh, Dennis from Landscape Ontario was in, and um, it's about boxwood tree moss. So um, we're plagued. Uh, we're in Etobicoke. Uh, we were plagued by it. Some of our mature specimens here on the property, maybe 30, 40 years old oh, wow. boxwoods, were denuded within a week. Wow. And it was really, really very profound. So anyways, we got on things, and we had a professional spray done with a enhanced BTK spray. Okay, that's what I was going to And that was done probably sometime in uh, August. Mm-hmm. And to our regret, I, I knew it wouldn't be perfect, but I started to see the moths very late on in the season. It would have been well into the latter part of September, beginning of October. So I know we're going to have them again. The question to be direct is, what should we do in the spring? Should we get a spray done, getting ahead of it before we actually see the moths again? Or I should say the evidence, really, of the uh, ca- the caterpillars mm-hmm. that, uh, that uh, come first, of course. Or should we wait till they're actually visible? So the point is, like, how proactive and or when should we uh, get on it? Like, what's the experience? I realize it's a new problem here. Maybe mm. you'd like to address that. Some people haven't had the uh, grief mm. of their visit, but it's devastating. Okay. It's, well, BT doesn't last very long. It's yeah. a bacteria. Um, so it really needs to be put on when the insect's feeding. So I'd say just be really observant. Get out yeah. there every day and look for the caterpillars and then spray it. You can, we can, that spray's available at garden centers. Um, so, uh, BT, yeah, regular yeah, BT. Yeah. Uh, um, I was told it's less potent. Well, the that ones may that be are, true. Like available through garden centers yeah. is less potent than what can be commercially applied. True, but you can be immediate if you're doing I, it yourself, right? As opposed to making a phone yeah. call, booking yeah. an appointment, waiting two weeks for somebody to yeah. show and up. And it is a, a bad pest. I haven't encountered it myself, but uh, it's spreading like mad, and it does terrible damage to boxwood. But then again, so does boxwood blight. I've been really counseling people to plant um, inkberry holly, Ilex glabra. And uh, it's it's a boxwood look like a and it's a native, yeah, yeah. And it looks a very holly, yeah, inkberry holly. And it's, it does. Is it a good? It's a good surrogate in an appearance, or how about uh, in terms of the um, the local, you know, microclimate here? It's in very Toronto? similar. I've I, I grow it in Milton Clay. That's not where it grows in the wild, but it's doing fine for me. I've seen it down in Nova Scotia in Wolfsville at the Harriet Irving Botanical Garden, grown as a hedge, and oh, it was yes. lovely. Yeah. And, and when you're pruning a hedge, always keep the bottom wider than the top. It should be a little bit pyramid shaped so that like it's uh, yeah, which thing. is the, which is the best. So like yeah. tapered, uh, tapered yes. in at the top. Right. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Well, that's good because I think um, we're in for a real battle with this. I I mm. cannot tell you enough. Uh, we were vigilant. We were hand picking the caterpillars for countless hours. Goodness. I can't tell you a couple of members here in the household, and you just could not keep on top of it. It was. It was relentless, and they're voracious. Yeah. It's really quite awful. And yeah. also, I'd like to add, ecologically speaking, nothing appeared to eat them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes birds about 50 years to find something palatable. Thank um, you for that. Yeah. It does take it that long. Yeah, yeah, it takes a long time. And this is an, a new pest, pest from Asia. 
This is not a problem. Yeah, via, via uh, the Netherlands, we understand. Oh, really? Oh, Interesting. And uh, can I share one else, uh, other thing about it with you? Um, uh, we, we commiserated offline, uh, Dennis and I, Flanagan, from Landscape Ontario. And what we believe is because the epicenter is very close to or near the, uh, the airport. And we had a theory, and he said it's very possible that perhaps it was introduced through the importation of cut boxwood from the Netherlands, which comes through the airport and is uh, is distributed from there. I think that's similar to what happened with the boxwood blight. Uh, There were cuttings of a boxwood relative brought in for Christmas Mm. decorations, Uh, and that got spread all over the place. Yes, and so this is what was believed Mm. as maybe what was harboring uh, the the larvae for this uh, We can spread things around so easily. We need to be much more careful with what we do and how we move it. Yeah, move things, exactly, even just in Ontario. We really need to not overuse plants like boxwood and hydrangea, um, because when we overuse them, then some pest, uh, might be a native pest, it might not, can just sweep through the whole neighborhood, yes. wiping things out. Yeah. Diversity is resilient. are very dangerous in anything, aren't they? Yeah. 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 So the mantra is biodiversity. Mm-hmm. Always yeah. mix it up. And and Sean is a big proponent of native plants, particularly just oh, yeah. because they are already here. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> You're not paying some big uh, plant patent royalty to oh, somebody goodness. back yeah. in Europe, right? Yes. Well, thank you both very much. Yeah. I really thank appreciate you. it. And I'm just trying to spread the word yeah. that people are observant because I think the more people that know about it when they see it, they can try to do something about it because it sneaks up on you. And like I said, it's voracious and very, very quick. All right. Thanks for that. Um, and I'm just a quick update here. I'm noticing on the web. It's suggesting that BT or Bacillus thuringiensis, which you're familiar with, and as Sean points out, is available on the shelf at the regular home center, uh, garden center, is considered the best option to control. Uh, and the way it works is we spray this bacteria onto the boxwood plants and the, those caterpillars that you were uh, so, you know, picking away at, um, as soon as they bite into a leaf that's got the bacteria on it, they apparently will die within an hour of ingesting uh, a leaf that's been treated with the BT. You almost feel bad for them. No, I do not. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> so that I think your point is a good one. Be vigilant to watch for when those uh, caterpillars first emerge. It's in the, the same spring. with soft flies. You know, if yeah. you know it's a regular problem, just yeah. keep an eye out and so that you can slam as, them as soon as they're there and then it. don't give up. Yeah, stay on it. Yeah, and I pick those all the time. Exactly. And I think, I, I'm not sure about this, but I, I know Landscape Ontario is involved. That's our, our provincial trade group for landscaping. They're involved in trying to control this. So if you have it in your yard, I would probably at least check online and see if they uh, who, who you would talk to. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that would be a good idea to let people know that it's there. Yeah. Thanks again for that, Michael, and good luck. We have to go for a quick break. Be right back. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Not just Charlie Dobbin today, but a special guest, Sean James. Welcome again, Sean. Thank you. Off to the callers. We have Ray waiting online from St. Catharines. Good morning, Ray. Hi. What's going on? I have a question about my marigolds. So they were out on the balcony, and I fill the balcony ledge for the summer with flowers and plants. But that's the only plant that had spiders, spider mites. And I'm just, my question is, where did they come (laughs) from? Like, do they live in a seed over winter, or Mm -hmm. are they in the soil? 
And why are you convinced with spider mites? You saw the plants Yeah, I can die? see them, plus the webs, and yeah, I but can you, see them. Spider mites are so small, you will not see yeah, them they with, are very without small. a magnifying glass. They're tiny. Yeah, uh, I know. But yeah. um, uh, uh, off the top of my head, number one, typically marigolds are not an issue in the summer, just because we've got high humidity, and spider mites don't really like that, that kind of environment. How high are you on the balcony? What's your floor? On the ground floor. Oh, oh, are you? Okay, so you're not way up in the wind or anything. Um, Misting saying, would help. Just mist them regularly because the spider mites don't like it wet. No, they don't. So just um, a regular mister. The question about how they overwinter, are you, are how you they arrived? They, seed? No, they could have been on the marigolds when she bought yeah, them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Did you buy them at the nursery? Uh, no, actually, I saved the seeds okay. from, I mean, I've been recycling the seeds for mm. a long time, but they didn't have them before. Okay, so they could, uh, were there any other plants that you introduced in with the marigolds that you did purchase last spring? Um, you no. mean in the same pot? Yeah, or, or along no. the same balcony. Because yeah. oh, yeah. spider Cause mites small enough to blow. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing too. They could have blown in. Yeah, they could have from a oh. tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have webs, right? Yeah. So spiders. That's how they travel. I don't know if they balloon like spiders do. Yeah, I was thinking of that. That's so cool. Yeah, that spiders is. balloon and, the, and then travel long yeah. distances. Oh, yeah. with their little parachutes. Um, yeah, so oh. so yeah, spider mites. Even though they're very very small, it's cute because one of my students yesterday was talking about how he ended up with mites on a plant, and he's got a microscope at home. So he was mm-hmm. trying to figure out exactly what the pest was, and he got the mite under, and he could see and identify what it was, which was great. He's a mm-hmm. first year student, so he was yeah. really taking this seriously. Impressive. But he said it was very funny because the mite is like racing across under the microscope. It's like moving really fast. And then you look down and it's barely <laughs> moved a millimeter. Like it's, they're so tiny, but their little right, legs yeah, are going like crazy. Are. So he was like, wow, that was really unusual. I thought it would be like halfway across the room, but meanwhile, it hardly moved. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, might they have been in the soil? Maybe more. They weren't on any other plants. But they could have easily come from another plant. There are spider mites that will come via uh, nursery-grown products. You know, garden center. I haven't bought any. I imagine any, like even a a moth or a butterfly could have them on its feet from one plant and take them to another. Yeah, they're that Uh, small. They're really good at spreading. I know the bees love the marigold. I'd say it's in. Well, bees actually get mites for our mites. They've got their Um, own mites. Yeah, but yeah, I'd, I'd say it's very possible that. Any actually anything could be a vector for yeah, them yeah. to move them around. Yeah, there's you can get predatory spider mites. Oh, I wouldn't worry about it. I, I think no? that it wouldn't necessarily help. I just keep going. Well, definitely, I would like those plants are now dead or should be dead in the frost. Yeah. You yeah. have you saved some seeds? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I still have some left over from before, too, but now Freeze I'm scared them? to... Mm. Maybe freezing them would help uh, in case there's spider mites on them. Freezing them would uh, kill the it spider mites. Freeze the seed. Put the seed in the freezer for a couple of oh. weeks. It's an idea. Oh, okay. we, we should double check that, though, keeping in mind that marigold is marigold. Oh, but good point. They do. They drop on the ground. They grow. Yeah, yeah that's actually a good idea. Put them in a... a Paper, a paper envelope inside a jar or a plastic bag and right. freeze them. Stick them in the freezer for a month or two. What do you mean actually a good idea? <laughs> Sorry. That is a good idea. Oh, my goodness. Oh, aren't we going to just like, I'm going to hurt your feelings. No, well, I just think of a tender plant, <clears throat> excuse me, and then freezing the seed and thinking it might not survive. But many of the annuals will drop seeds in the fall. Yeah. They will come up in the spring if the winter is mild enough, mm-hmm. right? 
All right. So, uh, very good idea. Thank you. I think that will work. <laughs> Freeze that scene. Thanks for calling, Ray. Uh, okay, let's see who's waiting for us now. Okay, this is probably going to be a good question. This is Dave calling from Scarborough, and he's got a question about figs. Good morning, Dave. Good morning. What's going on at your place? Well, we have two Chicago hardy figs. Mm-hmm. And one of them we've been bringing in each fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've already done that, and it immediately dropped all the leaves mm-hmm. in our living room. Okay. The other one is uh, planted outside, up against the house. This is uh, south-facing. We had it in the middle of the yard so that we get more sun, but it died back right to the ground. We thought it was completely dead. Mm-hmm. And then it started growing again. Now uh, we moved it up near the house, and it grows to be about six feet high. Uh, has some figs that don't mature, mm. and then it dies back every winter right to the ground. Mm-hmm. Okay. Have you so, tried protecting it in the winter? Uh, this last year we uh, wrapped it up, put leaves at the bottom, mm-hmm. and it still died. I used to have a giant fig, and it wasn't a special fig. And we would build actually a structure around it, and then put in a, a lamp inside of oh, a light bulb all like, oh, winter, yeah, <laughs> yeah, to keep it. My warm wife in. is here laughing. She thinks I'm crazy to even have these fig trees. How about an electric blanket, Sean? But when, <laughs> but when you get the figs, it's worth it. You They're think? so delicious. Okay, so one of the things we we did at Durham College, which worked for a number of years, though it didn't work last year, is the outdoor fig that was tender and was not going to survive. A trench was dug from the base of the fig straight uh, perpendicular to the building that it was uh, growing up against, the greenhouse. And then roots are severed on the opposite side of the fig. And the whole thing is tilted down into the trench. Soil is placed all over top of those branches and stems and leaves have fallen off. Stray ba- straw bales are placed on top of that, and they surprisingly will often survive the winter by doing that. Because in the spring, you lift the whole thing back up, and it starts to grow. Mm-hmm. They do that down in uh, Picton for grapes. Yes, yes. So that's uh, a lot of work. This Chicago hardy fig with the name Chicago. You would think the minus forty <laughs> Celsius down there sometimes. Huh. You'd think that it would actually be hardy enough to survive our winter. Well, again, just a quick quick search on the web. It's suggesting that it is a very cold, hardy fig with a name like Chicago. So you're right. Um, but the hardiness zone is like a 6 to 10 kind of hardiness zone. And even in Scarborough, you might be in a zone 6. Mm-hmm. But this 6 to 10 is an American zone, which means that it's not really a zone 6 plant. It's probably more likely a zone 7. So you're really on the the edge. It would depend on lots of things, how yeah. close you are to the lake, uh, what the grade is. If it's sloped, then mm-hmm. you'll have less frost. How? If it's windy, yeah. you know, yeah. I, um, that's these all have Your soil, place. texture, yeah. and even, yeah, th- what kind okay, of winter? north of the 401. Oh, okay, oh, yeah, yeah, so you're even so colder. Cold. Yeah, yeah, you're zone five. <laughs> um, could I ask, is is a factor the length of our, the warmth and length of our summer? Because we do get figs. Mm-hmm. And maybe they get to be the size of a quarter, and they're green, and we had about 10 of them. Mm-hmm. But it seems like they never get a chance to ripen. That's Yeah, it's definitely a seasonal length mm-hmm. thing. I didn't always get figs from my tree. I would get figs when we had an early spring and a, a long, hot summer. 
And we just had a very late spring or late summer with the the cold, wet spring. Yes, but it made for great fall colors. It made for great fall colors, and it also uh, we the plants survived that extreme heat. Wonderful for plants in July and August, (laughs) but the spring was just horrible, particularly if you worked outdoors. So yeah, just put that down to the kind of of season we had. Okay, would it be possible to uh, put a reflector on the north side of the big tree? You can do damage that way you can overheat the plant even having it too close to the wall can can heat it up too much there's a there's a balance there you want it on the south side so it's sheltered from the wind but not too close to the wall so it doesn't get too warm because it'll get warm on certain Mm. days or for a week because and the reflection of the heat off the wall and then it tries to grow and then you get cold again and the buds die yeah so you don't want or it too close. Or the bark splits. And, yes, yeah, well, that too. All yes. sorts of things happen if it's too close. Yeah, so a lot of balance there, Dave. You've got your work cut out for you this winter. <laughs> Every day you're going to go out there and say, okay, what should I do today? But the idea of providing insulation around the root, which is what you've done. So the top dies, but the root survives. That's the mulch, the straw, anything that's going to provide just that air air pockets. Yeah. And pray for lots of snow, because snow is one of the best ways to keep plants alive as well. This is true. Well, we already have snow in our yard. There oh you my go. Goodness. It's still there. So when you're shoveling the driveway, carry that snow around and put it on the fig. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Great advice. thanks for calling, Dave. Good luck with that. Let us know next spring how that works out. <laughs> Love it. All right. We are just perfectly timed to have a quick break, and we will be right back. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And here we are, still talking about gardening. Thanks again, Sean James, for coming in. Always a pleasure. So Always remind a blast. <laughs> well, remind me before we finish the show, we are going to talk about the Ontario Landscape Tree Planting Guide. So get out your pencils and write that down. Absolutely top-notch, state-of-the-art information about tree care, tree planting, tree everything. And you are one of the authors. I, I, Well, I helped with it. I did all the diagrams about how to plant trees in the back. Hmm. And lots of the best new science, Landscape Ontario, put it together with the Vineland Research and Innovation Center. Mm-hmm. It is the latest way to plant trees, all of the knowledge that we have together. No more mulch volcanoes, no more plants <laughs> dying from stakes and wires. <laughs> Growing into the wrong places. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And just even the depth of hole, width of hole, and soil amendments, identifying your soil, choosing trees. Exactly. I'm I'm struggling with some of this myself (laughs) since I have quite a few trees to plant. So thank you for for bringing in this copy, but it is available to everybody on the web. All you have to do is search Ontario Landscape Tree Planting Guide. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let's see what's going on with Lewis, who's calling us from Toronto. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Very good. Okay. Um, my reason for calling is I heard that gentleman with those um, caterpillars. Yes. Oxwood tree moth. Okay. Um, now, I heard that this gentleman overseas talking on a program. He was a uh, natural uh, producer of all kinds of um, vegetables and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he said that he had, for example, the regular caterpillar and what he would do to treat get rid of them mm-hmm. was he would pick them mm-hmm. he would mash them mm-hmm. oh and spray them he'd put them in a solution of water and let them stay like for a day two whatever mm-hmm. or three and then he'd filter that water and spray that over everything and supposedly when the insects are getting killed they put out an enzyme to warn the others mm-hmm. and he said that that worked for him 
I'm a master gardener, and we're very careful about non-science-based information. If you want to look up something like that and see if there is science on it, if you go to the Garden Professor's blog on Facebook, you can search terms mm -hmm. and find out if it works or not often. Not always, but, you know, if someone's asked that question, you mm -hmm. can search the site. And you can even try it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, no harm, no foul. I, well, and yeah. I have heard that. I mean, but I'm not sure if it would work with all insects. That's the thing. I mean, I have heard that idea that when when some, I mean, it's like you, you, they say, don't don't swoosh at the hornets and wasps because you set off a little mm -hmm. alarms and all the hornets and wasps who are coming to rescue the one you're swooshing at. So there's there is some anecdotal information, but as Sean points out, I'm not sure if there's actual science on, on all of this. But it doesn't. I don't think. In you any would case, hurt. it's fun squishing the caterpillars. It sure is, and making a. <laughs> slurry of dead caterpillars <laughs> and then letting Very it sit in the sun and percolate and get really, really smelly and disgusting. And then sieving it and spraying with it might actually just put a big smile on your face and it might work. It might. At least you got rid of a whole bunch of them. Yeah. And also if they're suffering from any diseases, you know, maybe they're handling it okay, mm -hmm. but they're suffering, you know, they have a, 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 an infection. Mm -hmm. You're going to spread that to the other caterpillars. Yeah. So it's not, there's no guarantees, but hey, give it a shot. Yeah. I don't think you could hurt your, you know, if you have this issue of the boxwood tree moths on your boxwood, you, I don't think you would hurt the, the situation by, by this kind of an idea. But the BT would be the way to go in any case. Yeah. It's easy. It's but safe. It's, it only BT affects. It's a chemical, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a bacteria. Yeah. It's, oh, and it only okay. affects uh, moths and butterflies. It what, doesn't what, what affect... It goes into the ground. No, Nothing. It's, it's, it's inert. Yeah. Right? It, all okay. the, most diseases in insects are host-specific, yeah. so they only affect one pest or one group, or one group of plants or Usually people. one genus, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, okay. it, they only affect... It's very safe, and it only affects moths and butterflies. It doesn't okay. affect toads or birds nope. or any Even fish. Even if they eat or, the caterpillar yeah. after, yeah, it doesn't it affect won't them. hurt them. Yeah. So it's well, very, very specific. Um, yeah, I just thought I'd pass this on. Okay. Uh, if somebody wants to try it, it's up yeah, to them, absolutely. Well, you know, Lewis, if, if you've got... Work, it won't hurt anything. Boxwood and you've got no, caterpillars, no. Yeah. but maybe you don't. Maybe, But I'm sure Michael's still listening, so maybe he'll <laughs> try it because he sounded like he did a lot of picking last year. And um, and yeah, maybe he'll give us a call in the spring and let us know how that works out. Yeah, or either if you get, like uh, your partner there was saying, if you guys want to look it up and, you know... Mm -hmm. See what kind of information you find on it, and then put it up in the air yeah. for you know to help out people, right? Yes, that, indeed. All, that is what you do. <laughs> that is that's what we do. That's what networking is. Thanks, Lewis. Good suggestion. Well, you know okay. what? We're learning so much so fast. Have yourself a good day. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's it's, always new stuff to learn. Absolutely. Every day I'm learning new stuff, and I, I like to think I know my jazz. But there's but, still changes, new information. Because things do change. And, How plants. And, uh, um, respond when they're being fed upon we know that right. now it's by calcium they move the calcium around and you'll see the whole plant react yeah. when the caterpillar is feeding on it it's it incredible moved, yeah, no. yeah yeah it's ion so you get this whole thing with the cells change yeah. shape yeah, yeah. No. pretty interesting so here we go uh let's see if we can fit in another call from wanda in scarborough good morning wanda Good morning, Charlie and Sean. I always Hello. find your program so interesting. Oh, thank you. <laughs> like all this picking and squishing insects today. <laughs> I brought in my uh, rosemary plant about mm -hmm. uh, five days ago. It really is prolific. It in a four-inch pot, and it was 18 inches high. Mm -hmm. I cut the top off and gave it to a friend. Mm -hmm. Now, what is the best way to keep it green, or do you have to... Uh, Freeze the little uh, stems, or what would you suggest? The plant you're talking about? 
the the you you cut the top off and you're wanting to root that or you're just no no, no I want you know I've got a food. foot left of all these lovely uh, rosemary stems. Mm-hmm. I'd hang them and dry them. Yeah, and then it's kind of a pain to. But they peel them. off easily yeah, yeah. once they're dry. Yeah, once they're dry, they'll snap off. Yeah, just run your... I keep it green for a while in the North Bay window. Oh, if it, if it's about keeping the plant alive, yes. you, the, and the most important it. thing you have to know is not to over or underwater. Mm. Something that would like to live outside really has trouble inside in the winter, especially herbs. Mm. Not over or under watering is the trick. There's Beyond a that, very the brighter fine the light, line. the better. Rosemary always gets some um, mildew on it. I find mm. a powdery mildew inside. A, it just happens. It's a beautiful plant. Love having it inside, but it's hard to keep alive all winter. It's interesting, too. Everybody thinks that something's in a bright window, but light to plants is relative to us. We we think something's bright. It needs to be right against the window in the brightest possible window. It wants to be in the Mediterranean. Yeah. It doesn't want to be on your kitchen counter. Well, it's a North Bay window, so it's cool. Yeah, yeah, which is good. So yeah. be very careful with your watering. I have a friend who put, they had a glassed in front door and they yeah. put it out there so it stayed cool. Mm-hmm. But it was Bright. warm enough that it wouldn't kill it. Yeah. And, ah. and it kind of went dormant, too. Yeah. yeah. And they, they, they had it, like, it was over three feet tall. Wow. They were oh growing it year after year. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah, and that's probably quite optimal. It's, it's our heat. It's our forced air heat in our homes mm-hmm. is exactly what the most plants don't want. <laughs> it's just too dry, too hot. Well, um, the closer to the window, the better. Absolutely. The closer, the better, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll do that. All right. Good luck with Thank that. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling. All right. Our final break, and we'll be right back. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All right, we're back. We've got lots of callers, but before we get to chatting with our callers, I just want you to tell us about a very fun event you're doing in two weeks from today. Yeah, on November 23rd at 2 p.m., I'm at Carson's Garden Market. Okay, who's Carson's Garden? Carson Arthur is uh, an amazing horticulturist and designer, and he's put together this really super cool uh, market experience where you can go and choose the plants that you want, and they'll put them together for you in pots, and and there's all kinds of different things to do there. He's been on the show. Thing. Yeah. yeah, he's recently published a book, and he's got a radio show. So a blast. We, we did he's an inter- we interviewed each other on yeah. this his radio show and my radio show at the same time. Yeah, so he's in Bloomfield now. So yeah. you'll be in Bloomfield at thirteen seventeen Wilson Road, Carson's Garden Market yeah. on Saturday, Saturday November twenty third at, at two p.m. And your subject. Flowers for Feathered Friends, Gardening oh, for the Birds, basically. Oh, I love it. I love it. Lots of good <laughs> birds where I am. I So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do the radio show. I'm going to leap in my car or rent a Learjet one way or the other. <laughs> I'm going to come out and be at your your talk so I can heckle. I've been waiting for a good heckler for years. <laughs> good. I've, I've been trained. Trust me. I've had lots of good hecklers at my, some of my events. All right. Let's see. We have Mary on the line from Georgina. Good morning, Mary. Calling about a uh, Easter lily that uh, I had from Easter this Easter past Easter, mm-hmm. and uh, in late August I guess um, I uh, grew another M and I had another lily come and um, and then it grew uh, little bulblets on oh. that I can't remember now if it was the first stem or the second probably stem. the first one but yeah and little babies. Um, I'm just uh, and I haven't done anything with them except they're on top of the surface of the pot. 
and uh, I'm not quite sure what I should do or might have some luck uh, having them mature. If that's possible. Yeah, they will. It's just going to take a few years. For now, those are going to be little green plants for the next three or four years minimum. But right now, you've got it all in a pot and it's all in your house? Uh, well, now it's in the house. Okay. But it was out on the back veranda. If facing. you can, I'd be planting those outside. Are they hardy? I didn't know that. Okay. I, I believe never, I so. don't know that. So cool. That's good. Okay, I think. I'm 99% sure, but I should double check that. That Easter lily bulb, all those lilies are super tough. Like, they're super hardy plants. But I will double check. As far as I'm concerned, I'd get that plant, get the whole thing. You could even leave it in the pot if you want. It's going to go dormant for the winter. Get it underground. And the little bulbs, you want to put just a bit of earth over them. Mm-hmm. And they have, my, the cool bit about bulbs is that they have something called contractile roots, which is squiggly roots that can either get more squiggly and pull the bulb down into the soil or get less squiggly straighten out and push the bulb up toward the top of the soil <laughs> so they can to handle their they can control their depth that way which i think is super cool yeah they're pretty smart plants mm-hmm. actually but they so but easter lilies um yeah any of those little tiny lilies bulblets like that like you're saying a little bit of soil make sure it's really well drained soil it's yes. like a gritty sandy kind of a soil that goes on top because bulbs will rot if yep. it's too wet for too long and if you're using potting soil just mix some extra perlite or vermiculite right, with just, it doing this as fast as I can. and uh, <laughs> But they're beautiful plants, and it yeah. would be really neat to propagate them that way. Not to mention that they are very fragrant. All right, let's see if we can fit in one more caller. We have Harriet on the line from Toronto. Good morning, Harriet. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Our pleasure. And you're a first-time caller, oh, too. Ding, 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 ding. Yes, I am. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm calling about a I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. Anthurium, A-N-T-H-U-R-I-U-M. Lovely. It's perfect. Yep. 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 Very good. And anyways, I have one and the flowers have uh, died. So I want to know I cut it off and like I'd like to keep it and uh, to re-flower. Oh, yeah. You can keep that plant for... If it needs that. Yep. Keep that plant for years and years and years. That plant is an excellent house plant. Have it in a window. It doesn't have to be a hot, sunny window, just a nice bright spot in your in your place. Would it, you agree that they like it wet? I was going to say they like yeah. more water than you think. Yeah. So if you like watering plants, this is a plant you don't want it to sit in water. So feel the soil. If it feels a little bit on the dry side, give it a little bit of tepid room temperature water. Let that water drain through to the saucer below. Uh, Give it a look at it again five minutes later. If there's water in the saucer below, dump it out and just keep it in that bright location, checking the soil every three or four or five days, and you will find it will flower for you more. Plus, the leaves are great. They're shiny, dark green, um, you know, very ornamental, very beautiful plant. I put mine outside this summer oh, yeah. and it was in a pot with no holes and we had so much rain, it filled up with water all the time. And it's the first time I've got an anthurium to rebloom. Uh, it was happy as a clam. Yeah, it liked the water. Uh, yeah, yeah. So there you go. So maybe it does want to sit in water. <laughs> it didn't rot. No, that's no, wild. No, yeah. All right. So that's probably the biggest tip. And I definitely, I've noticed that with clients who love to water, because some people just, that's their favorite thing. They do very well with anthuriums. <laughs> <laughs> that and gardenias, right? And azaleas, oh, things I that love. Grow, I had a gardenia once and the flower fell off just as it was coming out. Oh, yeah. too bad. All right, Sean, that's it. We got seconds, mere seconds left. Always fun. Thank you, everybody. Mary, your Easter. 
Easter lily is hardy. Get it outside into the ground. Thank you so much, Duncan. Thanks so much, Sean. And thanks to the great callers. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.